This one slaps. This one's, well, it's a real banger. <laughs> peacocks, <laughs> and we refuse to yield. Peacocks, <laughs> we are the peacocks. We are the peacocks of ULA. Welcome to episode 34 of the Presidential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 and under 90, and we discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. I'm your host, Ryan Allward, joined by Blaine Zimmerman and our producer and vice presidential expert, Russ Slivka. We want to give a shout-out, first of all, to all of our patrons across the country who helped to make this episode possible. If you want to get early, ad-free, and bonus episodes of the podcast, we would love for you to join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Signing up takes two minutes, and it only costs about five to ten bucks a month, and the community is a lot of fun. Hey, Blaine, Dwight Eisenhower, tell everybody about the book we read, the booze we're drinking, and the title of the episode. So we read a book called Eisenhower in War and Peace by Jean Edward Smith. Maybe Jean, Jean. 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 He also wrote the book on FDR that we read. Yeah, he may be the guy that wrote the book on George W. Bush that we will read. Okay. We haven't quite decided yet. It was uh, written in 2012. It's 766 pages long. Our running page tally is, yeah, it's not, I mean, you're looking at it, Russ. Like, it's not small. It's it's a tome. It may be the first color photo front cover that we've had. Uh, No, Grant was uh, colorized. But that was definitely not a photo. Oh, yeah. Um, Photo. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, we're at 15,565 pages. 15, okay. Yeah, we eclipsed the 15,000 mark. So I really try to dig into my creative juices here, mm-hmm. and this episode is called The General. I, I was wondering <laughs> if you were going to go with The General. <laughs> that makes sense. The General. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll save some time. All right. For a great low rate you can get online. <laughs> the, um, this episode the, is not sponsored by The General. No, it's not. So for this episode, I was actually just in Milwaukee this weekend and i got a case of spotted cow which is what we are drinking for this episode because he owned a dairy farm that had cows and i think he had some angus beef cattle show show cattle that he had that i doubt we'll even talk about at all in this episode but like it was convenient because i had it yeah yeah (laughs) and there was a tie so we're drinking spotted cow from the new glarus brewing company in new glarus wisconsin cheers boys and cheers to you Cheers to our mystery alcohol sponsor who's out there listening. That's good. Oh, that's really good. That's a nice. Have you guys really, you've never had it? American ale. It, it tastes a, like yeah. Wisconsin. Mm, it's nice. It does, yeah. Yeah. While we were there, my friend Madison, shout out to Madison, not the city. I was going to say, like, my friend, his name is Madison. He ordered a burger that had cheese curds and bacon on it, oof. which I feel like you can't get more Wisconsin wow, than no. a burger with cheese curds and bacon. Uh, what do you guys remember about Eisenhower from school growing mm, up? I like Ike. Okay. Interstates. Mine was I like Ike as well. Yeah. I, I mean, his role in World War II, just being Supreme Commander. But, I mean, let's just hear it for catchy slogans, by the way. Just, I like Ike. That's what I remember. Which it works. Five star. Yeah. Five star, right? Yep. Notebooks. He's the notebook guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he invented <laughs> yeah. the spiral bound notebook. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. a- in no, World he War was II, the, he, he still is the last general to have the five-star rank. That is correct. There are two other ones, two other presidents. Well, let's just say them now, Washington and Grant, who have been five-star generals. Well, let's dive into his early life, shall we? David Dwight Eisenhower was born on October 14, 1890 in Denison, Texas. Then he spent his formative years in the small farming town of Abilene, Kansas. He was our last president to be born in the 19th century. 
Ike was the nickname by which all the Eisenhower boys were known. He was the third of seven boys. Like, there would be Big Ike, Little Ike. Oh. Ike. Like George Foreman. Precisely, yes. He was the third of seven No, not like George Foreman at all. Almost exactly. (laughs) Almost exactly. They didn't all have the same first thing. No. They weren't all Dwight. He liked to hunt, fish, play football. His dad, David, was a mechanic in a local creamery. And his mother, Ida, was a religious pacifist. Ida was against war, but it was actually her collection of history books that Dwight really immersed himself in and really sparked his interest in uh, military history. So he originally had his eyes set on the Naval Academy Mm -hmm. after high school, but he was too old to be admitted. So in 1911... And he tried to fudge his birthday. I don't... That part doesn't make (laughs) sense to me. Yeah. Right? Except they have to accept a class every year. Yeah. So how Mm. could you ever be too old to go, right? I don't know. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. Like that part, I don't entirely get it. But also like this is one of those people when I went back and reread the notes, I was like, I have literally nothing about him until he went to college. Oh, really? Okay. And we typically like, that's one of my favorite things is where I'm like, you're moving too fast, Ryan. Hold on. When he was seven. (laughs) Yeah. 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 His grandfather's name was Mordecai. Oh, I don't yeah. have any of that. That's okay. He had a knee injury when he was playing football. Yeah, so he gets an appointment to West Point. He played football, and uh, he actually played against Jim Thorpe in football at a couple games, and with Omar Bradley. Now, Blaine being an Army guy, does that name ring a bell to you? Yes. Okay, there it is. Well, <laughs> I'd be surprised if he said Let's it. just not talk about it all. Yep, yeah. sure does. Yeah. The, no, yeah. Bradley, there's a vehicle named yep. after Bradley. It's so, a tracked vehicle. The very first vehicle I had a license on in the military was, was that a Bradley. Was that you got a, a pulled over speed? I sure, I have been pulled over in a Bradley. <laughs> I, uh, By an MP? Uh-huh. No, no, range control. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was, we were in do? El Paso, Texas, yeah. and I didn't even think about it. I had the top open. I'm driving my Bradley out to a range. Like Michael Dukakis. And my, my uh, <laughs> yes, exactly like Michael Dukakis. That was actually my nickname in the first armor division. They were like, oh, there goes Dukakis. Um, my platoon sergeant in my headset, Sergeant Pamatiki, PK as we called him, he goes, hey, kid, I think you're getting pulled over. <laughs> I was like, What? The guy goes, do you know how fast you're going? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> No. Do you see what I'm driving in? in a trail. Fast? Like, going downhill. Do you know how hard these things are to stop? <laughs> yeah, so Bradley was in his class. He, he became the first chairman of the Joint Chiefs and was obviously very pivotal in the Korean War. But uh, We like- skipped over this really quickly. Jim Thorpe went to Syracuse. Jim Thorpe was like a very famous Native American athlete who was an Olympian Won and gold professional, medal. Yeah, yeah, Olympian and professional football player. One of our first like really high class athletes. In was the he, United was States. he a track and field star? Yes, in the in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gold medalist. Go Syracuse. By the he way. was a decathlete. Which is, I know it's 10, but... Yep, good job. Good math. Yeah, thanks. Is archery in that? Like, there's all no, of them in there. No, what? The what decathlon. Is it? Did you just decathlon? ask if there was archery in a track and field event? Well, I well, mean, there's like the... Uh, the biathlon. No, that's biathlon. not track. That's, that's not track. That's of. not even the same Olympics. The that's bi- the Winter Olympics. Ah. <laughs> they don't run track in the what Winter is, Olympics? No, what? Mm, I hate both of you. They do, the but they wear skis. It's two but. days. There's five events each day, and I'm not going to get the order right now five times two is 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 ten yeah and then they shoot targets long jump high jump dribble jump pole vault no Hmm. let's do the field events first okay high jump long jump pole vault discus shot put okay those are the field events all right 100 200 400 110 hurdles oh and 1500 oh 
All right. Okay. So Jim Thorpe was a decathlete. Yeah. Not a biathlete yeah. that Russ. But he also before. played for the Cleveland Browns. I don't I know believe. what you're looking at me. He played for in a, or he played professional football. Yeah. I think it was considerably different than than it is now. But well, when he was at Syracuse, he was playing against Dwight Eisenhower mm-hmm. on the football team at West Point. Dwight Eisenhower had a knee injury, which yep. caused him to coach the JV team. Yes. His junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. And his knee injury also almost prevented his commission. That's correct. Fun fact about the 1915 class of West Point. Yep, I'm sure you have this, right? I do. Russ, do you know what the nickname for the 1915 class of West Point is? The well, very famous class. Think about what the West Point class of 1915 probably did. Mm. Like, what did those specific officers probably go do if they graduated from West Point in 1915? World War One and World War Two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. That makes <laughs> yeah. sense. So yeah. the 1915 class is what's known as the class the stars fell on. So they had 60 general officers graduate in that class alone. 36% like it's the most, of the class went wow. on to be at least general star. Yeah. 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 So that's the most famous West Point class of all time. Wow. Yeah. More than any other class in the history of the academy, the class of 1915 graduated the most future generals. Yeah. So he was a pretty average student while at West Point. He played a bunch of pranks. He liked to play cards and smoke, which was not popular with his instructors. He smoked Um, his whole life, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was like a three, four pack a day kind of smoker. What's, are we going to talk about pranks? I mean, there's no examples well, of the pranks so, that he pulled? So the here's, Clooney's? Here's one thing that I think I, I think he must have been uh, winking as, as he was doing this. So an upperclassman, there's a lot of hazing. Uh, and even in the 1915s, I'm sure there's an even healthier dose than there is current day. But basically, he and a fellow cadet in their plebe year, their first year, broke a, a pretty minor rule. And an upperclassman ordered them to report in full dress coat. And Eisenhower shows up without pants on, <laughs> which apparently drove the upperclassmen just mad. And Dwight like shared that story like years, years later. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That is the type of thing that you can just make somebody so mad about. Like it's just take them very literally. Yeah. Especially somebody like this, like, cause I've met a lot of West Pointers, like some of them take themselves far too seriously. Yeah. Do you think he was just full on Donald Duck in it? <laughs> I hope so. I, hope I really so. hope so. Right. I mean, those jackets are long. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> so uh, he graduates around the middle of his class, and he then goes on to rise in the ranks. Kind of like one disappointing station after another. He started was, at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio as a second lieutenant. Which is now known as Joint Base San Antonio. Okay. It's a joint base with the Army, which that's where our medical corps is trained. Oh. So okay. all of like medical training is done at Fort Sam yeah, and cool. the Air Force has okay. a contingent at Fort Sam. Actually, nice. one of the other bases we'll talk about that he was at is also a joint base now Okay, up in Seattle. But cool. he, he was the coach of the Peacock Military Academy mm-hmm. when he was at Fort Sam. And it made me immediately think of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Because the ULA, they were the Peacocks, and Carlton was the uh, mascot. Oh, he Peacocks. was the mascot. Oh, yeah, we're marching right. down the yeah. field, forgot about that. Peacocks, yeah. and we refuse to yield, Peacocks. <laughs> we are the Peacocks. We are the Peacocks of ULA. These are the parts of my childhood that stick with me, like things like Carlton's fight song from yeah. the fake university <laughs> went to it. Now, when I hear you doing that, I go, what melody is that originally? Oh, it's a very famous melody, ding, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Anyway. Spaceballs. Um, Spaceballs, yeah. Yeah, Because yeah. the dink dinks. Is dink dinks, yeah. yeah. 
So while he's there in San Antonio, he met and married Mamie Dowd. Mamie. A November wedding date uh, was moved up to July 1st due to the impending war. She she was a Denver debutante. Yes, she was. Um, He was promoted to first lieutenant the day of his wedding. That's a cool rank that I currently hold. That's cool. They had a son. Their first son, Dowd Dwight, named after his mother and father, was born on September 24th, 1917, while Ike was in charge of training at Fort Oglethorpe in Georgia. Little Icky was uh, the nickname for the little boy. He was a happy child, but sadly, the three-year-old boy died on January 2nd, 1921, due to scarlet fever. Uh, The following year... I wanted to make an Icky joke about... We're getting cold cuts! Yeah, the Icky shuffle. (laughs) You remember that? You can't. You can't. He did the Icky shuffle all the way to heaven. Yep. That's sad. Uh, The following year, the Eisenhowers had their only other child, John, who would later go on to serve in the Army, retiring at Brigadier General, become an author, and serve as the U.S. Ambassador to Belgium during Nixon's administration. He's the only president's son that's written a book about a president that we used for the Presidential Podcast. Yeah. Which one did he write? Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Yep. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's an important part of history is to be the only president's son to have written a book that was used on the presidential podcast. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, he's, that's going to be potentially on his gravestone. Mm. Yeah. Ike never saw combat in World War I. The armistice was signed a week before his unit was to be sent to France to fight. Missing out on fighting left him pretty depressed and bitter for a time, despite receiving the Distinguished Service Medal for his work at home training tank crews. Right. Do you remember where he taught the tank crews? He was, he was actually the very first tank training commander. I don't remember right off the top of my head. Where was it? Ob- because obviously, like, there were no tanks before. Yeah. So, like, this was a new concept Correct. in World War One. He was the very first commander of a tank training regiment. Yeah. Wow. It was in Gettysburg. That's right. And they yeah, did yeah. all their yeah. tank training at the battlefield of Gettysburg. Yeah. That's really, really cool. One of yeah. the people that he trained at Gettysburg was F. Scott Fitzgerald. That was one of the soldiers that wow. went through tank training wow. under cool. Dwight Eisenhower. That's really cool. That's a really cool... Uh, Theophany, I think, is what they call it. Yeah. There is a lot in there. Yeah, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> it's it's like a game of Clue. <laughs> it was F. Scott Fitzgerald in a tank at, at Gettysburg. Gettysburg. With Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't understand why he won the Distinguished Service Medal. Like, I... I guess it was because of his time commanding at Camp Colt, which is what they called it. And they were trying to be like, well, this yeah. is an important part. Like, it was almost like a participation trophy mm. that they gave to him because they were like, we get it. You wanted to fight, but you did this important thing because yeah. all these people you yeah. trained went and fought in tanks. Right. right. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen tanks from World War One, but they look a little different than yeah, they look a little now. bit so uh after the war eisenhower reverted to his regular rank of captain also he was offered a job in muncie go on they wanted him to run a business gave him this huge salary and he said no he was going to stay in the army do you know what type of business it was muncie business it was a pretzel company yeah. oh okay yeah that makes yeah. Sense. yeah they were cardinals so he was really good friends with george Patton. Yep. They both got demoted to captain, but it was mostly because like in wartime, especially wartime yeah. like that, you'll get like artificially inflated in rank yeah. much faster than what we would be. Like we talked, I yeah. joked about it a lot, like with uh, Civil War, when it'd be like, yeah, this dude was a lieutenant and then a general in right. three weeks. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah. So it wasn't quite that quick, but he did. I don't remember what rank he got to. I think he was a lieutenant colonel. 
in World War One, and then came back down to captain. Yeah, I think you're right. With Patton, they both got promoted back to major, but Patton got promoted the day before him. Yeah. So Patton always kind of held that over the his senior, head, like as a friend. Major. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um, well, Eisenhower up, was a major for sixteen. Yeah, years. for sixteen years, which um, is a long time wow. to hold a rank. In 1919, he went on an expedition across the country in a tank. Yeah. Going from one side, from, from east to west in DC a tank. DC to San Fran in a tank. Yeah. It and was it like was this like, army convoy driving across America. And wow. it was when he first started being like, hey, this really should be easier to get across the country than it is oh, here. Yeah. Like that was kind of where the wheels started turning and it's going to come literally. up later. Yeah. It was some no, those weren't, it was. Those were tracks, Ryan, not wheels. <sighs> Sorry, Blaine. Sorry, guys. <sighs> it's where the tracks started turning. Also, <laughs> the, the, the convoy averaged five miles an hour. So just imagine how long that <laughs> must have taken to get, you know, from D.C. to San Francisco. Imagine I mean, we could... stuck behind that convoy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I had, that's, oh, yikes. That would have sucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, Blaine, you had mentioned he became close friends with George Patton at Camp Meade in Maryland. He commanded a tank battalion there. And actually, both Patton and Eisenhower published articles in 1920 calling for the Army to make better use of tanks. And Army authorities considered Eisenhower insubordinate instead of visionary. And basically, they threatened to court-martial him if he would challenge the official views on infantry warfare ever again. So he quickly got the message that was like, okay, I probably should stop publishing articles about things that I'm... Like, he, he actually was visionary. They, though, said, no, stop being subordinate. After that, he went to the Panama Canal Zone, where he was the executive officer for General Fox Connor. What's that? Oh, you were playing a little ukulele. Looked like. No, in the 80s, they always played their guitars up here. Yeah. They did, and there was keyboards. That way they could jump. Keytars, and then in the 90s, they held them really low, like Green Day. General Fox Connor. So he becomes his patron, and he arranged for a prize appointment at the Command and General Staff College at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, for Eisenhower. Yeah, every time old Ike needed to get out of a jam, he would call Fox Connor. Yeah. That's a great name. It Fox is. Connor. Connor. It's a really good name. Yeah, really like, cool. Like, I only imagine Fox Connor with aviators and, like, a bomber jacket. Yeah. Smoking a pipe. Like, yeah. 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 What do you need, Ike? Yeah. Look here, you see? We're yeah. going to get you out of there. You see? We're going to get you Command, Staff, and General College. You see? Yeah. You're going to graduate first in your class, I to 245 officers and then quickly get assigned to be an aide to General John Pershing. And don't worry, exactly whenever you happened. run into any other trouble in your career, you can call me and I'll fix it. Yeah, tell him General Fox Connor sent you. <laughs> General John Pershing, you probably remember that name being the hero of the Great War. He is an aide to him and then he assigns Eisenhower to the American Battle Monuments Commission. This is kind of cool. So Ike, with the help of his brother Milton, who was a journalist at the U.S. Agriculture Department, produced a guide to American battlefields in Europe. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. And his writing was so good that William Randolph Hearst approached him and said, I would like like you to work for my newspapers. I'll pay you three (laughs) times the existing pay. But Eisenhower turned down Hearst's offer. Hmm. Why did you say Rosebud? Because of the movie. The movie? Isn't, yeah. isn't that about oh, Hearst? William sorry. Randolph yeah, Hearst, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Citizen yeah. Kane. Got it. There it is. Sorry. I'm very well watched. <laughs> <laughs> Rosebud. Uh, Ike then went on to serve under General Douglas MacArthur, the yeah. Army's when, chief of staff. When? When specifically did he serve under MacArthur? Did uh, anything, anything important happen? Yeah. So uh, during the bonus march episode, remember that? 
Yeah, which yeah. is a regular episode, but about yeah, yeah. a bonus march. Yes, Hoover, it was an right? episode in time. It, it was, was not it was a Patreon-only yeah. episode. No, no. It was. Hey, speaking of Patreon, if you want to become a patron, <laughs> just visit our show notes. So he often disagreed with MacArthur philosophically, but he loyally served him. They went to the Philippines together for a nice just uh, vacation. <laughs> no. 1935 rolls around, and their, uh, their mission is to organize and train the army of the Philippine Commonwealth. Let's back up a little yeah, bit. Go ahead. He claims he advised against, like, donning a uniform when they were going into tear gas, the veterans in the bonus army thing. I don't know if I believe that. Okay. I think that it was one of those he saw how it happened, like, what happened afterwards. And he was like, no, I I tried to tell him Mm. it wasn't a good idea. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that had the backbone in those moments to say that type of stuff, especially knowing at this part in his career, and I'm not trying to like badmouth Eisenhower. This that give me a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Just go uh, on. Yeah. But I'm saying like in the if you look at the full body of work, if you will, mm-hmm. I don't think he was the guy. I think he was an opportunist. I don't think that okay. he was the guy that was like, I don't know, sir. Maybe this isn't a good idea. Okay. I think that afterwards he saw that wasn't good and he was like, Yeah, I tried to tell him. Okay. That type of thing. I could be wrong. But if you look at the whole context of everything, it doesn't seem likely. Yeah. After the Philippines, he comes back in 1939. He was promoted to colonel in March of 1941. So fun fact about the Philippines. He learned how to fly while he was there. He got his private pilot's license at 46 years old as a lieutenant colonel because it was just something they wanted to do. He had a big falling out with MacArthur while they were in the Philippines, mostly because the Philippine government liked Eisenhower. Yeah. And MacArthur didn't like that somebody was more well-liked than he was. Oh, no. Yeah. That's Um, trouble because everyone likes Ike. So then he went to what's now known as Joint Base Lewis-McChord. At the time, it was Fort Lewis. He was a command of the 15th Infantry. It was his first troop command in 18 years. While he was there, this is a fun fact that, like, there's no way I'll remember to say later. So we're going to do it now. Yeah. John, the aforementioned. Oh, John, his son. Sorry author yeah went to a high school called stadium high school that i've seen with my own two eyes before okay and i guarantee both of you have seen on the silver screen before can you do you know why you've seen stadium high school in the past um I'm trying to think of movies with high, uh breakfast club uh, give you a hint stadium high school i love you baby and if it's oh, quite all 10 right, things i hate about you that's stadium high school that cool. is the high school john eisenhower uh, went to oh, while fun. dwight was the uh head of the 15th infantry cool nice i was actually it's in tacoma i was out there for work staying with a friend in yeah. tacoma one of the nights before i flew home you would go on a run phoenix arizona all the way to tacoma in philadelphia atlanta la, LA. I don't think you caught that. Right. No, I caught it. No. Okay. I felt like I was in a good rhythm there, and you just... <laughs> that was pretty good. You put Thank a you. stick in my yeah, no, spokes. and yeah. Go ahead. I'm what happened in, in Tacoma? No, I was just... I was out there for work. I stayed an extra yeah. day to visit my friends. I went out on a run, and as I was running, I like looked to my left and then like had to do a double take, and I was like, holy crap, that's yeah. the high school from 10 Things I Hate About that's You. Cool. That's cool. And then as we were reading the book, I was like, oh, because it just... Yeah. randomly mentions he went to stadium what's your problem how do you remember that like how <laughs> how do you remember that is the high school from yeah. 10 things i hate about you i've seen that movie so many times okay 
Yeah. Sarah so Lawrence. like, yeah, it's burned and yeah, Sarah Lawrence. Yeah, this is not even the first time ten things I hate about you come up this season. I know. Yeah, when was the other time that it came up? Because I said Bryn Mawr. Somebody yeah. went to Bryn Mawr, oh, yeah. and I was like, yeah, "Isn't yeah. that where she wanted to go?" Yeah. Which you'd think I'd know since I've you seen would. it so many times. Yeah. He makes her wear the pregnant uh, costume. The dad oh, from man, I don't Computer re- War oh, Tennis. I do remember yeah. that. I kind of <laughs> barely, kind of. Yeah, come on, Russ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. There's Interesting like three tangent. people that listen to yeah. this that are like huge 10 things I hate about you fans, yeah. I'm sure, that are like, yes, oh, Blaine, you brought, finally brought it up. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. I feel like I like him more after this episode. <laughs> he becomes Brigadier this General. People listen, right? Yeah. It's not for the president. This it's is for the why. random offshoot. This is the stuff they don't hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to hear. Please leave it in, Russ. I will. That's, I will now. Don't that's do what, this to that's me. That's what she said. He becomes a brigadier general seven months after being promoted to colonel. And basically now World War II is upon us. And though he had never held an active command above a battalion, he was actually, he caught the attention soon of Army Chief of Staff George Marshall. Okay, so Pearl Harbor happens. Eisenhower is ordered to D.C. uh, to work on U.S. war plans. There was a really important training exercise that happened before Pearl Pearl Harbor, Harbor. but after World War II was happening in Louisiana. That really like kind of showed the brass well the brass and the nation as a whole like if we were really prepared to join the war yeah it was like do you know what i'm talking about like Um, it was a pretty important thing like training battle where it was a force on force two tank battalions against each other yeah and he became like a media darling Mm because it was completely covered by the media which in my opinion is not the smartest thing on the planet (laughs) (laughs) right yeah but even though general kruger was the one that actually deserved the credit for like the battle plans and things like that. He was the one that became the media darling, which kind of catapulted yeah. him. And it's just now hitting me that I'm saying all these things to make it seem like I don't like him or something. Like yeah. it's not that. I'm yeah. just these are facts that we learned. Sure. I How many brothers this. and sisters did he have? He had he had six brothers. He was the third of seven. Big Ike, little Ike, Ike. What are the other? <laughs> how do you distinguish the other ones? Uh, middle Ike, middle, middle Ike, Ike two, like yeah. Ike Junior, yeah, Barefoot Ike, yeah. Kratz, Infant Ike, Toothless, this is not true. Toothless Ike, <laughs> Toothless Ike. So he gets assigned to like England for a little while, and while he's there, he's at the Windsor Castle, which is the country residence of the royal family. Yes, right. So the king and queen were told that he was going to be there, and they were going to stay in their apartment. Because they wanted to avoid embarrassing their guests. Huh. Don't understand the protocol here. Yeah, all right. King George forgets. So <laughs> it's a beautiful spring day. Clark and Eisenhower had arrived. The royal family was taking tea in the garden. So when the king heard the voice of them approaching, he was like, this is terrible. We must not be seen. Like, because apparently, like, if yeah. the, I, I don't, once again, you, don't understand the protocol. It sounds like you just can't see them out and the about. The king being and queen of England and the two young princesses, Elizabeth and Margaret, got down on all fours and crawled on their hands and knees back to the castle door before Ike and Clark entered the garden. That's great. <laughs> so that they wouldn't be seen. Yeah. Sure. I, I still don't understand how that was less embarrassing. Yeah. It's uh, bananas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let them see that. We we must be nice guests. We don't want them to be embarrassed. So we'll crawl around on hands and feet. 
Listen, one day when you're queen, you yeah. will thank me for this. <laughs> and they got a Hollywood handshake out of it. Of they course, were like, Paul. you did the right thing. <laughs> Paul Hollywood gave him a handshake. So it's November 1942, and now Eisenhower is commanding Allied troops in Operation Torch, which was the successful Allied invasion of North Africa. Tunisia. Yeah, you, you probably heard uh, Rommel, German side. Yeah, and uh, who was the guy? Who was the uh, British field commander? Remington Steel was a TV show with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Who is British? So yeah. we're going to count that as that was the James name. Bond. Was it James Bond? Was that who it was? Can you just yeah. say it was Rommel and Remington Steel? <laughs> <laughs> yep. He then directed the amphibious invasion of Sicily and the Italian mainland in 43 that then led to the fall of Rome in June of 44. He also saved his buddy Patton's career around this time. So right around this time, George Patton like got basically called out because he punched two enlisted men. Yeah. And Eisenhower like hit it, swept it under a rug, didn't let anybody else find out about it. Because if they would have found out that like if an officer punches in a, like in a subordinate at yeah. all, it's not going to go well. Have you seen um, Patton the movie? Cause actually, I, no, I have I, not. I think, I think it's depicted. I think in like one of them is in like an infirmary. And he like uh, yeah, no, he's super he pissed off. Or he's like, yeah. well, in that movie. actually that's a different scenario than this okay. but that did happen too he went up to this student in infirmary who's basically like get your stuff together like get back out there don't yeah. be a uh, cat but knowing like if you see the movie from what i've heard or yeah. just know kind of the entire whole picture yeah. of Patton, <laughs> yeah. it's not surprising he punched two guys right. and eisenhower had to cover it up yeah it's also not surprising at all like the way he died like in the jeep yeah. like still trying to be yeah. front of the line and stuff like that he probably punched a couple of horses at some point too just like mongo yeah <laughs> I watched that yesterday. <laughs> Did you really? It's such a good yeah. movie. It's yeah. such a great movie. So good. What's yeah. funny is like even when Eisenhower did that, he took the brunt of the criticism because he understood from a tactician standpoint he needed bet. Yeah. It was important. Right. And and they were boys. You yeah, know? they were. I mean, they came up through the ranks together. Eisenhower is now Supreme Commander in Operation Overlord, which oh, is the Allied yeah. invasion Marshall. of Nazi. Marshall who you were talking about. Right? The British commander Marshall? Was that was Well, yeah, because most people thought Marshall was going to like lead Overlord, but FDR changed his mind last minute and went with Eisenhower instead. That's I thought what we I concluded had. it was Remington Steel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're right. Marshall was American because FDR yeah. didn't want to lose Marshall in Washington. Field Marshal Bernard Law Montgomery is the so guy So that's who what threw me off. Was, the, the British yeah. Field Marshal. Yeah. And now you're thinking George Marshall... Who was the army chief of the staff. reason Eisenhower got overlord instead of George Marshall was because FDR didn't want to lose George Marshall from Washington. There it is. Also, Operation Overlord is an awesome operation. Yeah, it is. Blaine, you've heard some cool operation names in the service, I'm sure. What are some of the best ones you've heard that you're like, that's awesome? And the other ones were oh, like, really, man, that's why what would you came put me with? on the spot like that? <laughs> That, yeah, I don't know if I have really good answers for you on the spot. I will say one of the funniest things I've ever seen from a planning perspective is <laughs> now I saw Russ's face and it's not going to be as good as I've even just built it. So there's a thing called a sand table. And when you do a, a car, a combined arms rehearsals, you have like all the different people to look at a mission. So like okay. the pilots are there and the medics are there and the field artillery, like and yeah. the staff officers and everything. Well, I used to be, when I was in Afghanistan, I was in charge of building these sand tables. And now, like, having gone through officer school and stuff, I've built a ton of them. But you keep little things around, like, 
army men. Yeah. Like I keep string golf tees, army men, trucks, stuff like that. So cool. you can depict different things on your sand table. Right. Okay. And you like, we'll try to build up the elevation and everything. So you're actually like moving sand. You're okay, like, so you're putting a map on the ground. It's literally, okay. It's literally sand on a table. Well, I mean, in or Afghanistan, yes. And in training environment, yes. It's in a training environment. It's a table like this with walls and it's there's sand in it. Oh, cool. Like in the field, it's the dirt Just on, on the, the ground. ground. Yeah. Right? Which is why I keep T's because you put grid lines on it. Oh. So like the string and the T's, you're okay. a lot, you can put the grid lines and show where yeah. everything's at. We had this thing called a female engagement team. In Afghanistan, a FET, a FET team. It's exactly where you think this is going is I, where it's going. I really want to know where uh, this is going. So when we couldn't talk to any of the women okay. in the villages, you That's had to have a woman talk to the women in Afghanistan. Okay. And so to depict the FET team on the sand table, I had a Boba Fett action figure. <laughs> Very was, cool. <laughs> Very cool. So, and like when I was doing it, there was one pilot one, he was a A-10 Warhol pilot that got it. Cool. And I was explaining, he was yeah. like, oh, got that nice. team. And I was Man. like, this guy gets <laughs> this it. This guy like, gets it. it. <laughs> what was the A-10, uh, the God fart? Is that what you call it? When yeah. They, when they it's the sound of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. The God fart. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, operation-wise, though, like, what sucks is it's all done from the top. Sure. And they all have to be, like, in joint conjunction with yeah. things that were going on. So, like... We had Steel Lion 1, 2, and 3. Like, nothing super. So it's June 5th, 1944. It's the eve of D-Day. And Allied paratroopers are touching down behind German lines in Normandy and taking out vital lines of communication. They're capturing bridges. Meanwhile, Hitler is entertaining guests at his home in the Alps until 3 a.m. So at 6.30 a.m. on June 6th, the opening land invasions at Normandy begin. More than 150,000 Allied forces crossed the English Channel and stormed the beaches of Normandy. Hitler woke up at noon from partying all night, and his arms minister rushes in and informs him that there's a massive assault underway in Normandy. Hitler does not take it seriously. He had already gotten a request for reinforcements from a top general, and he was very slow to basically make that happen, which proved critical they for the Germans. Captain so, uh, Winters. Are you talking Band of Brothers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Had he known, yeah, he probably would have taken it more seriously. Have you seen Band of Brothers Rest? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. You know that there's pieces of, of that that like are still army doctrine to this day. Yeah. Like, you know, the scene, I don't remember which episode it's in, when they clear the bunker yep. and he's like throwing grenades yeah. in the... Uh, oh, yeah. That, that, that is still... The army doctrine for entering and clearing a bunker. Okay. He wrote that doctrine. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Winters is the redhead guy, right? Mm -hmm. in, in Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, that's one of the things. They actually still show pieces of that when you're going through officer school. Wow. This is the legitimate first yeah. time we did enter and clear a bunker, and that was now written in doctrine. And yeah. Because, like, you don't actually still enter and clear a bunker because there's no bunkers. Right. But still yeah. a thing you practice, yeah. you get graded on for who knows why. <laughs> you need to be ready, though, <laughs> if you ever come across a bunker. So... D-Day, the landing beaches encompassed 50 miles of coastline. There were five beaches. Uh, Juneau, which the Canadians landed on. British forces were on Gold and Sword Beach uh, beaches. And the Americans were on Utah and Omaha. Peyton so, Manning Beach. Omaha. Omaha. Oh, Omaha. 
It's a very yes. niche Colts reference there. <laughs> of the five beaches, Omaha uh, had the most bloodshed. Roughly 2,400 American casualties plus 1,200 German casualties occurred there. Coincidentally, Eisenhower's son John graduated the same day from his father's alma mater, West Point, on D-Day. So while, you know, dad is the supreme commander of this huge invasion. You think John's still alive? I don't know. Well, the Normandy invasion was not a one-day affair. Uh, It raged on until... There's no way. If he graduated from West Point on D-Day, there's no way he's still alive. Because he would be... He would have been 22. Yeah, and that was 44. Right. Yep. So he's probably no, in his no 90s. way. So he'd be a hundred and no. He died on December twenty first, twenty thirteen. There it is. Or as some call it, October twenty first, twenty thirteen. Great callback, uh, Russ. Nice, Russ. The Normandy invasion was not a one day affair. It raged on until Allied forces crossed the River Seine in late August in Paris. Altogether, the Allies took about 200,000 casualties over the course of the campaign, including 4,413 deaths on D Day alone. It's estimated that around 200,000 Nazis were killed or wounded, with approximately 200,000 more taken prisoner over the campaign. On December 20th, 1944, Ike was appointed to the rank of General of the Army, placing him in the company of George Marshall, Henry Arnold, and Douglas MacArthur, the only four men to achieve the rank in World War II. Along with Omar Bradley, his classmate from West Point, they were the only five men to achieve the rank since the death of Philip Sheridan in 1888, and the only five men to hold the rank of five-star general. On May 7th, 1945, less than a year after D-Day, Germany surrendered, ending the war in Europe. We're going to take a break so you can hear from some of our fantastic sponsors. We will be right back. You're listening to The General of the Presequential Podcast. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back. All right, so he is victorious in Europe. He returns home and a hero's welcome in 1945 to serve as chief of staff of the Army, which he did for two years as the Army is preparing for the Cold War. Uh, He retires from that position, and he writes his memoirs, and then President Harry Truman privately proposes to him that they run together on the Democratic ticket in 1948 with Truman as the VP candidate. Because nobody knew what party he was in. He was... Relatively yep. apolitical. And yeah, it was Truman was like open to the idea of going from president to yeah, VP to VP huh. because his popularity was sagging and Eisenhower's was, I mean, everywhere. Ike refused and instead became president of Columbia University in New York City. Get ready to drink. Oh, OK. Do you know what Columbia University was originally called? King's College. King's College. Oh, hey, College it. of Alexander, Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. Cheers, boys. Yeah. You punched the bursar? It's one of my favorite lines in the show. 
He became a member of Augusta National around the time, which is something we're yeah. going to talk a lot about. Yeah, he loved to golf. We'll talk about that. He's a so. big golfer. Uh, the, I do love that about him. Yeah. I mean, so much so that like they built a cabin for him at Augusta. They built him a cottage on the 10th tee. It had a fully stocked private bass fishing pond. He golfed more than any other president. They had like astronomical numbers. Yeah. There was a tree yeah. on the 17th yeah. at Augusta National, where the Masters are. Sure. So there was a tree on the 17th that he would hit like every single time he would tee off at the 17th. And he demanded they remove it. <laughs> and the people at Augusta National were like, "We what? No, like that's not how this works. No. I get it. You're important. But like we're Augusta National. Yeah. That tree stayed until 2013. When an ice storm took it out. And it was like a really big part of the Masters every year. It was like, can you tee off on 17 without hitting the Eisenhower tree? It was known known as the Eisenhower tree. Became known as the Ike's storm of 2013. I don't think that's true. Nope, not at all. That's also when his son died. 13. John. That's crazy. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) The files were in the computer. Anyway, that's yeah. Ike and golfing. He yeah. golfed like a bajillion times. Like, way, yeah. if you think Obama or Trump golfed a lot, like yeah. Eisenhower golfed more, yeah. I promise All you. The time. And we already know Taft probably golfed more because he was on the golf course longer because he sucked so bad at it. And Wilson golfed a lot. Taft too, right? was worse than I am at yeah. golf. Oh, he's just a large guy just out there, just heaving a <gasps> What? We're on the fourth hole? Was, um, you fell asleep. I didn't fall asleep. So he's the president of Columbia University. He actually got a lot of flack from people there, like on faculty, because he was somewhat seen as an absentee president because the Korean War breaks out and he becomes the first supreme commander of yeah. NATO forces in Europe. And he was like, look, guys, it's their safety school. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't need me here. Like, <laughs> purely a figurehead. Yes. All right. Like, yes. nobody cares about Columbia. It's yeah. a safety school. Yeah. <laughs> I love that somebody's going, you went to Indiana State. (laughs) You don't get to talk about Columbia like that. You can't say that. Are they in the Ivy League? Yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Somehow. In New York City. Yeah. Uh, Can you name all the Ivy League schools? You know what? Let's do this. Let's pull this up. Go ahead, Russ. Ivy League schools? I bet you I can do it. Okay. All right. Ivy League schools. Can you do it? We'll do an alternate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, Okay. you go first. Cornell. Wow. Okay. Brown. Harvard. Columbia. Yale. Princeton. Colgate? Nope. All right. How many are we at? Let's see. We have Harvard, Columbia, Cornell, Brown, Princeton. Okay. Yale. Yale. (laughs) We're at six, and there are... Eight. Yeah, there's two more. Okay. Okay. Dartmouth? Yes. Dartmouth. One more. Now it's on me. (laughs) I don't think you're going to get this one. What state is it in? I can't tell you. Yeah, I don't think... Is it in New Hampshire? Is it another Massachusetts school? No, no. Okay. Okay, so it's not New Hampshire. Is it? It New is Jer- not. Is it New Jersey? No. Is it New Delaware? York. No. It's in New York. No. Vermont. It's not in D.C. Is it in Maine? <laughs> no. It's not no. Maryland. No. Is it in Wyoming? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Wisconsin. Everybody. Is it Wisconsin? Um, no. no. Okay. No. This is going to make me mad because as soon as you say, oh, wait, 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 it's not Holy Cross. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Or it's not Penn. Oh God. Yeah. University of Pennsylvania. Yes. Oh, that bothers me <laughs> that I one. didn't know that because because Penn's one of the five and Dartmouth's in Philly too. That's the other uh, the big five. I thought Dartmouth was in New Hampshire. No, Dartmouth's okay. in Philly. Philly. It's Penn, right. Dartmouth, uh, Villanova, 
Uh, okay. Well, should we do that again? Should we do another one? What's the big five? <laughs> that was fun. We should do that. Well, Sal, that, that's that was fun. Yeah, there's gonna Creighton. be the big five. No, Creighton's Creighton. in Omaha. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, the big five is Temple, Dartmouth, Penn, Villanova, and LaSalle. LaSalle. Okay. I always forget about Omaha, just in general. Oh, just that it shouldn't. exists. Yeah, like yeah. that. It's, it's a thing. Yeah, it's yeah. out there. Okay. Run a marathon there. I have the College World Series is there. Creighton's there. Yeah, great I stakes. Will. Great stakes. Yeah. It's 1952. Truman's popularity is sagging uh, during the ongoing war in Korea, and leading Republicans approached Eisenhower and persuaded him to make a run for president. He had some mixed results in primary elections, but he resigned his commission in the army and returned from his NATO base in Paris in June of 1952. One of his campaign speeches in 1952 was in a place called Butler Fieldhouse. You don't Which we say. now know oh. as Hinkle Fieldhouse, yeah, a place right, I spend yeah. 18 of my evenings a year. Yeah, that's fun. Historic yeah. Butler Fieldhouse. We should Hinkle say, Fieldhouse. if you're listening, this, this is your first episode. We're all who's the Ivy League in of Indy. the Midwest, really. Butler would definitely be in the Ivy League of the Midwest. Yes. For sure, along with Notre Dame if they weren't independent and all that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, if you ever come through Indy, definitely check out uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse. It's a cathedral. It is. It's a beautiful facility. At the party's national convention in July of 52, Ike won the Republican nomination on the first ballot. We had mentioned his famous slogan, I like Ike. And his running mate was Senator Richard Nixon of California. He then went on to defeat Adlai Stevenson to become the 34th president of the United States. And not to belabor this, but something we should probably bring up now that will come up later. He tried to get Nixon off ticket yeah he didn't want nixon on the ticket to right. begin with and then we're, there was this like sixteen thousand dollar donation that almost got nixon off the ticket and he was like hey you need to go on tv you can tell him you're not gonna run yeah and he went on he was like i love my dog trixie yeah yeah like the, the <laughs> public like warmed up to him and because that was what he was he was like they donated trixie that was yeah. the name of the dog yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah like they know they gave and my kids love that dog yeah. we're not giving you can't it expect yeah and america was Boy, like Aww. do we have thoughts on Nixon? <laughs> i can't wait for his episode yeah, yeah anyway eisenhower was the oldest president-elect at age 62 since buchanan in 1856 uh, he was also the third commanding general of the Army to serve as president after Washington and Grant. And he was the last to have not held political office prior to being president until Donald Trump entered office in January of 2017. In addition to continuing most of FDR's New Deal and Truman's Fair Deal programs, Ike strengthened the Social Security program, he increased minimum wage, and he also created the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. Do you remember what his cabinet was named? No. Eight millionaires and a plumber. Oh, yeah. Okay. I do remember that. It's yeah, yeah. A, Tuesdays at eight on yeah. CBS. Yeah. <laughs> he did have a, he had a stack cabinet. Yeah. I mean, these guys had PhDs and, I mean, business. They threw one yeah. Catholic in there for yeah. diversity. Yeah. <laughs> and a plumber. Oh, man. So, who are you talking about tonight, Russ? It's not Tricky Dick, is it? No, I decided not to talk about Nixon. All right. I didn't want to read. Anything about Nixon, actually. Okay. Just so I can Why? be surprised for the, for the next episode. Yeah. So at the time, Sam Rayburn was Speaker of the House. Sure. 
Okay. Is anybody familiar? Yep. Yeah. Sam Rayburn mm-hmm. was the one that uh, Truman was on his way to go have a drink with mm-hmm. when someone approached him and was like, hey, FDR just died. Yes. He was going to go have a drink with Rayburn. Yeah. Wow. That's great recollection Thank on you. your part. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. I'm not just trying to like <laughs> prop you up. I. Wow. Okay. Thank you. So Sam Rayburn was the Speaker of the House at the time, and he actually worked under eight different presidents. Wow. Okay. So yeah. he was like the Hoover of yeah he was like, he was yeah. an advisor to uh eight different presidents Got eight it. different presidents yeah. yeah pause we should say if this is your first episode that you're harvard to. yale <laughs> <laughs> university of pennsylvania if this is your first episode russ is our vice presidential expert and so oh, yeah we, sorry we, i didn't really team up no, i was okay. just like what do you want to talk about <laughs> guy <laughs> over here occasionally when the vice president then becomes president russ will talk about something this else. is also yeah. Yeah. Another episode that if you're jumping in at Eisenhower, like man, you're an Eisenhower stand. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is kind you, of a you're probably one. very confused by a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> don't heck? understand this humor at all. Why are they talking like, about Omaha? <laughs> we've got like seven people that are diehard stands oh, of the podcast. Diehards, yes. The uh, uh, believe me, uh, yeah. we appreciate everything. Yes, we do. So, so for Russ, those of you who don't know, Russ <laughs> is our vice presidential expert. And tonight, I will not be talking about his. We're vice talking president. about Sam Rayburn. Sam We're going to talk about Sam Rayburn, who actually. Actually served in the house for a total of forty-eight years. Wow! Yeah, wow. the longest by far. He was a real Jared Jerry uh, Ford. Wasn't Jared, he? I thought you were going to say Jerry Falwell. Yeah, I no, thought you were going to say nope. Jared Fogle. We went, <laughs> we went opposite ends of that spectrum. Oh he is the longest-serving Speaker of the House. Okay, not consecutively, but seventeen years as Speaker of the House. Okay, so under him, the following were passed. Wilson's New Freedom, Roosevelt's New Deal, Truman's Fair Deal, Kennedy's New Frontier, Johnson's Great Society. Like he, wow, wow, he pushed all of those through, and he was a major reason all of those were pushed through. Wow, man, yeah, man, he just he owned it. Like he was able to push uh, anything through through bipartisanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Way to go, Sam. Bipartisanships. Yeah. Bipartisanships. <laughs> Just passing it in the night. Yeah, yeah. So there are things called Rayburnisms. Rayburnisms. Okay. All right. Memorable quotes by him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, any fellow who would cheat for you will cheat against you. So don't have that good a cheater. Hmm. That's that one's not great. Mm, that, was, that was really kind of. That was one you wrote down though. Yeah. It is one like I, in your head at some point you were like that one's good I'm writing that's that gonna down. Hit. That that's gonna hit. That was. <laughs> was this one slaps. This one's well, it's a real banger. So the way he kind of ran the house, we're not going to talk about any other ones. You're going to give us a <laughs> really it, bad example it. of one. Yeah. And then I mean, just there's plenty. There's plenty. There's plenty. He came right. up with "Where's the beef?" Yeah. Uh, that was a big one. He uh, said, he, "He said he's a real Don Draper. Ain't no yeah. party like a Rayburn party because ain't Rayburn no mountain party. high enough. That's right." Yeah. He was a madman. Yeah. yeah. Got you. Yeah. Push Jialai. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played High Lie, by the way? What? No. No. What? Dude. I was born in 1985. High Lie. Wait, isn't High Lie the... Yeah. What was the Aztec thing where they oh, would... Oh, with the, with the, the hip... Bump the, the, the hip ball bump. off a hip and then yeah. whoever yeah. lost died. It's like yeah. a precursor. Yeah, it was yeah. a precursor was to the Harry basketball? Potter thing. Yeah, it's basketball and soccer is what I was going to go with. But yeah. Uh, uh, hold on. Quidditch. Yeah, You're but this Quidditch, was yeah. Mexican Quidditch. Mexican yeah. Quidditch. There was like a cement circle they had yeah. to throw it through. Yeah. yeah. No, High Lie is... Uh, Curved... Yeah. 
it's like a yeah, like a hockey stick. Uh, kind but of no, lacrosse. It's, it's more hockey. like lacrosse. It has but a ball curve. in it, it, and you you throw it. Yeah, there was a whole thing with Mad Men where they were like it's the sport of the future. Yeah. Like, oh, that's highlight. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's keep telling us there. about uh, Sam Rayburn. Nah. Okay. All right. <laughs> no. Thanks, sure. Russ. <laughs> Thanks, Russ. <laughs> Russ, do you have anything else about Sam Raimi? Yeah, I got all kinds of stuff. So, <laughs> he grew up in Texas okay. on a 40-acre right. farm. Oh. Shocking. Yeah. yeah. And he went to, this is for you, Blaine, he went to East Texas Normal College. Do you know what that became? I'm assuming on, Texas A&M. Like, it was Texas yeah. A&M. A&M. It yeah. did become Texas A&M. East, yeah. 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 What a so, great name. East Texas. This is the normal college. Yeah, like nothing normal. wrong with this college. Yeah. Everything's normal here. <laughs> <laughs> college down the street was pretty abnormal. It that was sucked. pretty abnormal. Yeah. I don't know. He was a bachelor. Okay. He got married for three months. Oh. And I that was love, it. Like, I really like that. As soon as we start making jokes, you're like, I quit. I'm not you know, <laughs> like down. I give up I mean, now. This guy this guy was awesome. Yeah. Like he really pushed through all major legislation for yeah. And like I said, under like eight presidents. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was able to do it because he was, I mean, he was a, he was a bachelor all of his life, except for three months he was married, which ended very quickly because he was married to the House of Representatives. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was yeah. his deal. You didn't, he was very fair. Like you, if you gave your word that you were going to vote for in a certain direction yep. and you told him that, you're going to vote in that yeah. direction. Like he, he was willing it. to understand that if you couldn't vote in a direction because it was going to kill you at home. Yeah. He got that. Okay. But if you told him that you were going to vote in a direction and you didn't, you're done. Wow. Like he was going to murder you. I mean, he was going to, he was going to kill you. So I mean, not literally <laughs> politically, politically, yeah, yeah. he was going to kill you. Yeah. He said, you cheat me once. It's your fault. You cheat me, me twice. twice Shame It'd on be you. my fault, on. which you ain't going to do. Didn't, so he was like, you're not going to cheat me a second time. Yeah. I, was, I won't be cheated again. Didn't W have a thing? Yes. He's like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on... Wait. I won't be fooled again. <laughs> I won't be, fooled. Won't be fooled. There was a reason that he was a bachelor for so long. Oh. Oh, I didn't know if you had a fact there. No, oh. I do. Oh. She's like, read between the lines on that. Oh, James Buchanan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really? Uh huh. I I didn't read that at all. Okay. Well. Yeah. I I just like as you were saying it, I googled the words that you need to Google for that, and I, yeah. it came up multiple times yeah. that like that's probably really? yeah, yeah. He was outed a couple of times, oh, and they no were idea. able to subdue it. But yeah. Huh. Huh. Uh, which is unfortunate. Like, he couldn't have just you know yeah. been. But, yeah. Yeah. I didn't get any of that subtext. Well. As soon as you were bringing up like how important it was he was a bachelor, I was like, "Eh, there's probably only like one or two reasons. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) I'm very disappointed. (laughs) So are we, and so are our listeners, Russ. But thank Thank God. Have you heard of? uh, Of course, we've heard about Camp David. Eisenhower had a role in renaming it to Camp David from Shangri La. The name of it used to be Shangri La. (laughs) FDR (laughs) called it Shangri La. He wanted to get rid of Shangri La. Yeah, and they talked him out of it. And actually, we'll talk about it a little bit. Khrushchev got really concerned about the concept of Camp David and was like, "What is this place? I don't know." Like, do you remember that part of the story? Center. Well, like he was just convinced Camp David was like a camp, like. 
Oh, like, we do those oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was, and so like they were doing a meeting there, and he was like, "I'm uh, not meeting at a camp. Like no, I know no. what you do at camps. You no. kill thousands of people there. Yeah. Like that's what you do. That's, oh, this that's is what... where we just go to hang out and get away. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Bruce Chef eh, never went to summer camp. Should not have called it camp. <laughs> <laughs> he renamed it Camp <laughs> David, honoring his father David Jacob and his five year old grandson Should Dwight. Have named David. Ike. He was what? like, just his... like all my brothers, I named it Camp Ike. <laughs> camp Ike. after. All nine brothers. I don't even want to get into that. Big Ike, Little Ike, Ike Jr. Then what? What else do you have after that? Cross-eyed Ike. You have six more Ikes. Kicked by a mule Ike. <laughs> he named... Wasn't his first name David? Uh, his, yes. his first name was... So he uh, named Dwight for himself. His first name was Dwight. No, his first name was David. David Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight. So he named it after himself. Well, 100%. he honored his father and his grandson, sure. Dwight David who would then go on to marry Nixon's daughter, Julie, in 1968. Oh, Majuli. Majuli. Um, That's an allergy reference. Oh, I love allergy. I just didn't catch that one. Oh. Wagwan. Hear me now. Hear me now. West Staines. All right. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen is just brilliant. He also interviewed Buzz Aldrin once and keeps calling oh. him Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's really great. <laughs> How did he not get punched in the face? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, because to a man known for yes. punching yes. people in the face, he called it Buzz Lightyear more oh. than once. It's like a jackass episode. Oh, man. A lot of people claim that Eisenhower's family was Jehovah's Witness. Now more modern scholars think that they were Mennonite. Either way, he abandoned his family's religion before entering the army, and uh, he took the unusual step of being baptized later in life in 1953 during his first term as president. He got baptized into the Presbyterian faith. Russ has so many questions. <laughs> so like, he becomes president <laughs> and gets baptized. Yeah. Well, Russ already had a ton of questions about <laughs> baptism <laughs> before this. So all right, all right. Go ahead, go ahead, Russ. Right. They were Mennonites? Yeah, a lot of like, people think yeah, yeah. that too. Like barn raisers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cousins, like, uh, Amish adjacent. Yeah, no, yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. what a Mennonite is. All right. So they think he was either Mennonite or Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, like back are in the day. Those are, t- nope. No, they're two nope. totally That's a things. solid question on your part, Russ. Yeah. Those are not Thank you. close. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think they were either. No. Mennonites you- definitely aren't the type of people that are going door to door trying to convert you. Yeah. Yeah. Or listening to this podcast. That's a good yeah. point. Well, well, we do have the one thing that they accept, which is electricity. Oh, that is that what separates yeah. them? Yeah, from the, the, Amish? Men, the difference. Oh, well, from okay. the way I understand it, yeah. and forgive my ignorance. No, as a actually, religious I don't scholar care. yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the difference between the Mennonite and the Amish is the Mennonite have been like electricity's fine. Yeah, it's fine, but they still dress the same. Yeah, and have the same like family, uh, Rumspringa. Yeah, like do the Orthodox Amish call them English? Mm, or are they? Uh, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, is that what they're called? Orthodox? Like, no, how do you no. distinguish? Amish. No. Amish or Pennsylvania. So you're either Amish or Mennonite, Mennonite yeah. or English. Or Rumspringa. No, Rumspringa was Donald the Rumspringa. chief of staff for Jerry Ford. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Do you think he was, he was like, he went underwater for the baptism or it was a sprinkle? I don't know. That's a good question. If it was Presbyterian, more than likely underwater. Because the sprinkle is more of the Catholicism, Catholicism yeah. like branches. Although Presbyterian is pretty high church for a denomination, especially in the fifties. I bet he was sprinkled. I bet he was sprinkled. I'd like to think he would have but chose. Pres- to I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I you're know. right. Like uh, I've been, I, we were members of a Presbyterian church. I don't even think I can Google that. I don't even think that. Though you, 
you guys almost I promise you, you could Google Dwight yeah. Eisenhower's baptism if it happened I mean, while he was an adult. Uh, also in 1953, Eisenhower authorized the CIA to undertake covert operations oh, against boy. communism around the world, two of which toppled the governments of Iran in 1953 and Guatemala yeah. in 54. Yeah, he was he really supported the concept of coups and he also like fully let Alan Dulles kind of do his thing, yeah. which was maybe not the best idea. Yeah. So it's spring of 1954. It's a pretty busy one. Senator McCarthy is going on his infamous anti-communist crusade that is violating a lot of people's civil liberties. Basically going on TV. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. Eisenhower refrained from publicly criticizing McCarthy, though he, he didn't privately, like him. No. Yeah. Didn't like him behind the scenes. He they, was actually working to discredit him. Well, and it well. was in his second, or it was in his re-election bid, right? When he went to Wisconsin. Yeah. And he told McCarthy as he was about to to speak doing this from memory so i'm probably going to get some stuff wrong he was like i'm going to go out there and tell them that i don't agree with you yeah and mccarthy was like that's not a good idea yeah eisenhower had and the last laugh because because mccarthy made the mistake of going after army officers right and when he did that they he went after an army uh doctor right there was a captain that was a doctor in the army in korea and when he did it, it was when they were televising his speeches mm. or his, like, whatever you want to call them, yeah. uh, trials or whatever. Yeah. And the public went against him. And then he just literally drank himself to death yeah. and, yeah. like, went cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. Around the same time of McCarthyism being in full swing, Eisenhower decides against authorizing an airstrike. Is that how uh, Omar Bradley got blacklisted? Was McCarthyism? I don't know. You, you said it earlier, Russ. You were the one. I that saw knew it, in, it in one sentence in a, in a Google search. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be true. Yeah. Well, around the same time, Eisenhower decides against authorizing an airstrike to rescue French troops from defeat at Dien Bien, oh. uh, avoiding a war in Indochina. Boy, um, is his this su- going to come up later? Yeah. So, for those of you that don't know. Before we were in Vietnam, France uh-huh. was in Vietnam, and France basically begged us to jump in and yep. begged Eisenhower to jump in, and Eisenhower was like, we do not need to be getting in involved yep. in Vietnam. But his vice president was sitting there going, yeah. ah, maybe we do. Maybe we should. Maybe yeah. we should. Uh, June 1st, 1954, he signs legislation that amended an earlier bill and changed Armistice Day to Veterans Day. So that was under Eisenhower. I thought that was interesting. Also, 1954, this is a little bit of foreshadowing because Brown versus the Board of Education in Topeka comes out. And Let's take a break before this. Well, yeah. We're, yeah. I mean, there's there's going to be a little bit of foreshadowing three years later about what happens yeah. Um, yeah, because of that. 1955, he meets with British, French, and Russian leaders in Geneva, Switzerland, and he proposes what's called an open skies policy where the USSR and... No clouds. The USA. No clouds. <laughs> I can see clearly. Yeah, he was like, I... Forbid clouds. Yes. Yeah. Clouds will be no more. Um, even Russia was like, wow, I don't know how you're going to how are you gonna do that. Okay. Anyway, they would conduct air inspections of each other's uh, military programs. Do you have clouds? We don't have clouds. Do you, do you have the clouds? Yeah. Nope. You said no, no clouds. clouds we, here. You got a lot of clouds when we're over your country trying to look. And you said no clouds. Well, the USSR rejects the proposal, though it won international approval. And basically, he... Wait, Russia... Did something that everybody else in the country thought was not good? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. There's also... So you got to think, this is the Cold War, right? So there's this rising threat of Soviet nuclear weapons. Eisenhower and Secretary <laughs> of State John Dulles, you mentioned his brother, Alan. Yeah. They strengthened... John the, Foster Dulles. 
That was he was known as Foster. Most oh. people called him Foster. Yeah, John. Oh, okay, they strengthened NATO and they created the Southeast Asia Treaty Organization, basically trying to stop communist expansion Seat. in. Yeah, Cedo is what it was called. Cedo <laughs> in that region. September of fifty-five, he suffers a heart attack when he's on vacation in Colorado, which was his second or third, right? He had several. I don't know if this was he his. Had I, several. I, yeah, he, was, he had several. He had several heart he had, attacks. I think he had more in his second term. Once he again, he smoked four or five packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if you think about that, there are 20 cigarettes in a pack. If you're smoking, that's several 80 yeah. cigarettes. Where do you have time yeah. to smoke 80 cigarettes a day? Just, you just lighten one right off the yep. other. Yeah. Yep. Well, he's in the uh, the Army Hospital for seven weeks, and with the president's approval, Nixon ran his cabinet meetings during that time, invoking, I think, what was it, the 25th? 25th Amendment, yeah. yeah. Uh, 56, he creates the Interstate Highway System. I am not a president. <laughs> I am not. Uh, <laughs> I want to be one. Yeah. One day, uh, me and Trixie <laughs> trying to take my dog. Get um, back here. TV Funhouse. <laughs> he creates the interstate highway system in 56 which is the single largest public works program in u.s history shout out to his uh his interstate tank trip yeah that definitely inspired that actually he was, it was that and the autobahn uh-huh. yep. yeah when it he was, was that in and the autobahn like he was like we really need just like a highway system yeah. so for anybody that has like taken road trips there you go understand that highway is only there so eisenhower could get tanks across the country quickly <laughs> like there is no other functional purpose yeah. of the highway yeah. this is not because it gets you to milwaukee quicker actually the interstate highway system is officially known as the dwight d eisenhower national system of interstate Correct. and defense and it highways. has the five yep stars of his rank go. on oh, it yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys know what happened on July 30, 1956? Of course you don't. Well, two years after pushing to have the phrase under God inserted into the Pledge of Allegiance, President Eisenhower signed a law officially declaring in God we trust to be the nation's official motto. Oh. And it was under Dwight. Under Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> 1957, he suggests that the Secret Service should use helicopters instead of limousines to cover short distances. And he becomes the first president to employ the new technology when he rode a two-passenger helicopter to Camp David as part of a test of White House evacuation procedures. That sounds like something a teenager would do. <laughs> Am I wrong about that? They were like, you know what? Actually, yeah. though, if we're not going very far, it's probably better to use a helicopter. <laughs> and they're like, is it just because you think helicopters are cool? Like, nope, nope, it nope, makes nope. sense. Yep, yep. Safer. Like, look, are you the president? Did you probably, actually? Were you in charge of Overlord? Because yeah. I was. I actually think helicopters make more sense here. Yeah, I think so. Like, it saves gas. Yeah. Probably cheaper. Marine One, right? I, I That's look, the helicopter? I look a lot cooler in it. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> Marine <laughs> One's a helicopter? Yeah. I mean, limousines are cool, but yeah. helicopters are Kinda infinitely awesome. cooler. Well, <laughs> I feel like if you're riding shotgun in a helicopter, it looks less cool than like Marine One. 100%. Yeah. Like, oh, you're yeah. Just it's, like you're, there's the something to be said. It's like walking away from an explosion. Like getting out of a helicopter is just infinitely cool. Yeah. I like the idea that his li- at some point his limo got caught behind a convoy. Oh, and he was like, you know what would be faster if we just right. helicoptered yeah. over this? Yeah. Yeah, just do it. We're going to take another break. You're listening to the General of the Press Bunch podcast. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, it's Ryan. If you need custom-made t-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson riding a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your orders set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. You may recall in 1948 from Truman's episode that he started the process of desegregating the military, but Eisenhower completed it by actively campaigning, declaring racial discrimination as a national security issue. On September 24th of 57, Eisenhower invoked the Insurrection Act of 1807, which was signed into law 150 years prior by Thomas Jefferson. He federalizes the Arkansas National Guard and committed the 101st Airborne Division to protect nine black students as they attended, for the first time since Reconstruction, an all-white school in Little Rock, Arkansas, after the Governor Orville Faubus refused to comply with the desegregating court order that was handed down in Brown versus Board of Education, uh, what, three years prior. So I have multiple thoughts about this. Go ahead. So one of them being uh, that governor like thinking he was going to take on Ike. Yeah. Like for all the things that I've said that like I, I'm like, yeah, opportunist, whatever, like you like the, you thought you were going to take this dude on yeah, and right. win. Right. <laughs> like yeah. get out of here. Yeah. 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 So he sent the 101st in. So mm-hmm. the 101st is stationed not very far from here. In Fort Campbell, yep, Tennessee Kentucky. slash Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I send a team there every week. I have a very strong presence at Fort Campbell. It's the, the Screaming Eagles, yeah. if you will. Yeah, I uh, will. Hopkinsville, Kentucky, Clarksville, Tennessee. It's one of the more historic units. So you talked about Band of Brothers earlier yeah. in the episode. That's 101st Airborne. He essentially, like the, the Arkansas, no, not Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arkansas National yeah. Guard was called in. By their governor, who was like, well, we'll show them. Yeah. And in the time, Eisenhower just understood. Well, I mean, probably even now. Like, if I'm not going to try to pull punches here. Like, even now, if you threw the active duty in against the National Guard, like, it's not a fair fight. Yeah. And Eisenhower was like, oh, you want to do that? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I'll bring in the professionals. And, and the reports, even in the book, are like, they came in, they did their jobs mm-hmm. like and i would assume even in that time a lot of those soldiers didn't agree with what they were doing sure unfortunately right yeah, yeah. but it's probably the truth but they lined the streets yeah and everybody in the town in arkansas were like yeah it was a very professional thing like yeah. they came in and they did their jobs they lined their streets they yep. told everybody to like stay away and they got yeah. ruby bridges to school yeah plus and eight home. of her classmates yeah yeah at home. The Little Rock Nine were invited in 2008 to attend the inauguration of President-elect Barack Obama, which I like the, the book end of that. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Kind of cool. After the Soviets launched the first artificial satellite, Sputnik, on October 4th, 1957, Eisenhower basically resisted the public that was 
panicking and demanded him to just it's increase like, military two planets spending. named after me already if we go there <laughs> it's there's not even going to be enough oxygen yeah <laughs> and it'll take forever to get there he he tempered, Hoover, for yeah, those of you that are new yeah Hoover. yeah go listen to the hoover episode he resisted the public's demand to increase military spending but that then prompted him in 1958 to sign the national aeronautics and space act establishing the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, in 1958. Also in 58, he became the first American president broadcast in color on TV when he inaugurated NBC's new broadcasting center. He inaugurated NBC. Yeah. Explain that a little bit The president of NBC wanted him to come and kind of like cut the ribbon. Got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 58, stuff was going down in Lebanon as well. Is that how you use the word inaugurated as a verb? Yeah. Yeah, he inaugurated it. Big scissors, yeah. right? Big old scissors. To inaugurate something. The inauguration Means of... to inaugurate. Yeah. Can I tell you a fun story about... Is it about the chimpanzee that was the morning show host on NBC <laughs> for years? What? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Nobody... Go was ahead. it Ryan? I know a chimpanzee that's a host of a morning show. No, I, uh, I want to say it was it was like Good Morning America or whatever it was. Okay. The ratings were sliding, so they got a chimpanzee to co-host it. God, to, I swear to God. So they they got that. a chimpanzee for years in the fifties, I think. So and the what's fun- funny is like there's going to be a podcast so forty many years funny from things now about it. What was really funny is that the chimpanzee did a really good job, but the his co-host was a legitimate newscaster, it was and he would he could have been yeah. What was his name? Bobo. What was Ronald Reagan's monkey? Bobo. Bobo. I, I think that was, you're right. I thought yeah, it was yeah. Michael Jackson's chimp. What? Reagan had a was chimp. Right. Reagan acted. Yeah. There was a whole movie. Oh, I'm sorry. As an actor, I okay. thought he was a president. So, I'm no, like, what? No, Reagan had that yeah. really famous movie with the chimpanzee. Okay. Yeah, it was. Good night. But uh, I don't yeah. remember. Anyway, so the legitimate <laughs> the legitimate newscaster would go out of his way to sabotage the chimpanzee. <laughs> like all all the time he would pretend the chimpanzee bit him. He would like oh, place man. things that would These are people that the drink chimpanzee. cocktails at lunch. But the chimpanzee ended up retiring in like Boca oh, Raton. Man. But <laughs> it is I'm, I swear to God. It was in a house, not in a zoo. Wow. Like he retired in a house. In Boca Raton. It was awesome. It was Seinfeld's parents. Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. Wow. He ran against Seinfeld's dad for the I, HOA I president. I didn't know this at all. It's okay. amazing. I love that oh, that it's, happened. It's so good. Have you heard of Operation Blue Bat? I asked no. for bad names. That's one of them. He sent 15,000 Marines in July of 58 to Lebanon as part of that operation. Indiana? Uh, <laughs> the country. They were trying to like prevent... Rick a- Mount. Right? Who? Rick Mount. I've heard of Fairmount. No, Rick Mount. Basketball player? Yeah. He oh. was Mr. Basketball from Lebanon. Uh, you guys. Come on, Ryan. Oh, Basketball. my gosh. Are you even from Indiana? Sports what ball. is happening? <laughs> I love it when he scores the points on the field with the ball. Don't. Yeah. Oh, Through gosh. You guys are so disrespectful. Bumps it off his oh, head. Oh, my gosh. Everybody that's listening, I apologize on behalf of Ryan and Russ right now. Sorry, Rick guys. Mount. He's one of the greatest shooters of all time. All right, all right I'll whatever. Take your word for it. Uh, aside from that operation in Lebanon, he would send no other I'm armed pretty forces. Pretty sure it's Lebanon. Lebanon. Also, <laughs> aside from that operation in Lebanon, he would send no other armed forces into active duty throughout his presidency. So, really, he was a 
wartime general. I and think then a I, that's time. I have right. an answer to your future question. Okay, with, that's going to be along those lines. Okay, real quick. Yeah, in fifty five when he had his like I don't know seventh heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he. <laughs> He was about to run for re-election, and in recovery, he took a picture of himself in a wheelchair on the hospital roof, and he was wearing a shirt that just said, much better, thanks. <laughs> what? Great. How did he get on the roof? What, you roll up there. Wow, yeah. Like, what did you're he the president. On? You can literally do whatever you want. Are there yeah. elevators that go all the way to the roof? Maybe. But also, somebody could just carry him and then carry the wheelchair. ridiculous. Much better, thanks. <laughs> he was a big proponent of Hawaii becoming a state. Mm-hmm. Uh, he campaigned on the issue of statehood. He also... Lilu Kalani. Yep. And there's some Indiana connection to that, isn't there? Or your no, unit? there's a connection. Your, yeah, what's your... I mean, that, the connection is I live in Indiana, and I was in a 10th Mountain 132... Our battalion historically yes. was the battalion that uh, was the guards for the Queen Lila yes. Kalani. Yeah, there's something cool on the patch, right? We have the uh, like Trojan style helmet yeah, and yeah. then the X. Okay, cool. Yeah. Congress, however, thought Alaska, with all the oil there, uh, should yeah. come a state first. They were uh, like, screw tourism. We need the money. We need the money. Eisenhower, though, was worried that Alaska would disrupt his plans to set up military installations close to Soviet Russia. So he was like, what? He, he was worried that would disrupt it? Disrupt like, you can see Russia from Alaska. From like, when, Isn't that exactly where you would want? <laughs> well, Congress- I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> Alaska was admitted January 3rd of 59 and Hawaii eight months later on August 21st. You'd mentioned the, the meeting at uh, Camp David with Khrushchev. That happened in September of 59. Yeah, he was wildly uncomfortable <laughs> with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> And like, he was like, in my country, camps are not good. <laughs> specific- we, do not, we do not have meetings in camps. I hide them. <laughs> I hide these camps. There weren't any big treaties that were signed. They basically left saying, hey, let's do another one of these in the near future. But what happened... And he's like, we need to reimagine camps all over Russia. Yeah. So <laughs> they were basically like, hopefully optimistic, basically saying, hey, let's let's do another one of these. You know, but... March 1960, Eisenhower allocates $13 million to the CIA to overthrow Castro in Cuba, mm-hmm. which then Kennedy was left to carry out. So Eisenhower... You, he was you, like, you know what they need? A whole bunch of pigs. Yeah, in a bay. We'll just put them in a bay. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. Smother them in Old yeah. Bay seasoning. we fine. Be great. We'll call the Bay of yeah. Pigs. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> also, the thing that happened after that, so like the summit was pretty optimistic, but then in May of 60... So right after Eisenhower basically tells the CIA, hey, take out Castro, but didn't Alan. happen yet. Alan. 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 In May of 1960, though, the, the Soviets shot down an American U-2 spy plane over Oh, Russia. boy. That's what he thought. He yeah. ended the Cold War by being like, you're not putting up a wall. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And the U-2 yep. si- spy plane happens and, and they captured Cold the War happens. So basically Eisenhower... He makes the issue bigger by saying he didn't know any knowledge of espionage flights over the Soviet Which, Union. Which that still is like the standard line to this day. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm the president. So I don't know. The meeting that was going to happen in Geneva was scrapped 
And Eisenhower was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to be welcome in the Soviet Union for any, you know, peace talks. Anyway, 1960 as well, he signed civil rights legislation providing federal protection for black voters. It was the first such law passed in the U.S. since Reconstruction. You talked a little bit about what he did with coups through the CIA. He authorized the assassination of the recently ousted pro-Soviet prime minister of the Congo in 1960 named Patrice Lumumba who had a good chance of returning to power. They wanted to use poison on him. They wanted to, like, poison the food that he was eating, but uh, the plan was abandoned. I just found that in some other research that I was doing that I had no clue about that uh, the CIA was trying to take out the Congolese Dul- Dulles basically, minister. like, and I'll have to do a bonus episode on Dulles at some point. Like, he basically just thought he could do whatever he wanted, and he could run things separately from the government yeah. and government... Uh, like oversight. Yeah. Uh, In the 1960 election to choose his successor, Eisenhower endorsed Nixon over Democrat JFK. No, he didn't. He didn't really endorse anybody. He kind of stayed out of it. That was like what one of the big things was he just kind of stayed out of it because he was so like disconnected from Nixon and he was still pissed about the Trixie thing. That I, I'm dog, not kidding. Yeah. Like it sounds funny, but like he did not. Yeah. He had a cold, icy relationship with Nixon the well, whole time, and he was never really like tied to the party. So when the party came to him to be like, "Hey, uh, we need you to endorse," like he just stayed out of it. Well, yeah. The reporters asked him at the end of this televised press conference to list one of Nixon's policy ideas that he had adopted. Eisenhower said, "If you give me a week, I might think of one. I don't remember." Mm. So Nixon yeah, really like, took this he, as a slight. He, and then he could have used that against him. It probably w- goes a little bit of a long way yeah. if your boss endorses you yeah. for his job. Correct. Right? Yeah. It could have possibly maybe been because Eisenhower was like, I don't know, he kind of sucks, yeah. and I've hated him for eight years. And he also didn't like Kennedy at all. And I mean, maybe we should have listened to him. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Because, <laughs> I mean, what did Nixon do later? I don't know. Yeah. Something not great? Tune in next time. Yeah, right. Tune well, in two, two times two, from now. Three times. Yeah, three JFK, times from now. LBJ. Actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eisenhower yeah, please. was... The- Please listen more. Yeah, please. Go back to the beginning. They're really good. And they get a lot better I know over time. You're, I, know <laughs> most, I know most of you are listening for the first time right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Eisenhower was the oldest president in history at the time. He was 70. And he was succeeded by the youngest elected president at the time. That's funny. Kennedy, who was 43. At the time, though. Like, we've had multiple presidents elected older than that at that, yes at this point yeah, yeah. like yeah ah, good for him um and he actually did something to get his job it's it's an odd concept yeah so he's headed out the door kennedy's coming in and there's this speech that he makes where he basically warns against this partnership between the military establishment and big business oh yeah and he's like this is not going to be good. I, I forewarn the country against partnering this to make this military machine a reality. But term uh, military uh, industrial, industrial complex. complex. Yeah. yeah, his warnings would go unheeded, however, among the ongoing tensions of the Cold War era. Yeah, because Northrop Grumman was in back going, "Hey, shh, 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 shh. how much money can we make off these? We're going to sponsor a bowl game. It's going to be fine." Do they sponsor a bowl game? Yeah, the Northrop Grumman what? Rocket oh, bowl? The Armed Forces Bowl. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Wow, really? Yeah. Raytheon, all of them. They're like, wow. no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> shh, 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 shh. 
he leaves office <laughs> in January of 61. He retires to his farm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, close to where he used to train uh, uh, cows. tanks. Tanks and cows, and that's why we're drinking this. Angus, uh, he had an cow. Angus show cow. He, he had did. multiple uh, uh, milking cows. Yeah. Yeah. He published his memoirs and several books over the years until March 28th, 1969, when he died in Washington, D.C. of congestive heart failure at age 78. His last words were, I want to go. I'm ready to go. God, take me. There was a state funeral ceremony. No, they weren't. That's we're we're well into the time that you can like oh. reformulate what your last words were. I don't believe any of these last words. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's like, actually a good point. Yeah. 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 It's probably like eh. including Jefferson being John Adam uh John Adams uh survives. Or no, was that John Adams saying that about Jefferson? Tom, Thomas Jefferson survives. I don't believe any of them. You don't believe any of them? No. Wow. Yeah. I I really don't. I'm kind of with Russ on this. Like, I kind of think most last words are like, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Although in historical context, it's important for somebody to like have the other, like the previous words other than the last three written down. Because I think in most cases, like they probably were. Yeah. Right? Like what you said. Yeah. Those were the last words. But I think yeah. the actual last words are probably yeah. like... It has to be curated a little damn. bit. Damn. Okay. I see what you're saying. I'm a yeah. broken okay. machine. Did you just say damn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, oh. <laughs> a funeral ceremony was held three days later at the Washington National Cathedral. His body was placed onto a special funeral train for its journey through seven states to Abilene, Kansas. This was first incorporated into Lincoln's funeral... Although a funeral train would not be part of a U.S. state funeral again until 2018 for president, take a guess, who died in 2018? Bush. Bush. Yep. George mm-hmm. George H.W. Bush. It was used in, I think, uh, Texas, that portion. As requested, Eisenhower was buried in a government-issue casket wearing his World War II uniform decorated with the Army Distinguished Service Medal with three oak leaf clusters, the Navy Distinguished Service Medal, and the Legion of Merit. Buried alongside him in the chapel of his presidential center in Abilene are his son Dowd, who died at age three in 1921, and Mamie, who died 10 years after her husband in 1979. Blaine, what struck you about Eisenhower that maybe you didn't know about him as we were reading this book? Well, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. pops up multiple times in the hmm. book, and it almost makes that dude seem even more immortal. Hmm. He it seems like he's been around forever. Yeah. Henry Cabot Lodge was, was his like dad. in yeah. what like the eight, late eighteen mm-hmm. hundreds. Yeah, oh, okay, like that makes we sense. he was like over and over and over. The dude that we talked Rayburn, he mm-hmm. Cabot Lodge like comes up in multiple president, and then in this book, his son pops up so many times. It, it it's just one of those weird things that shows you that like if you did just enough to kind of stick around Mm -hmm. and then you named your kid the same thing like (laughs) you can kind of seem immortal forever (laughs) like it's it's weird you know what i mean so are you just saying that you're just the the sidebar person yeah because so we have henry cabot lodge Mm -hmm. jr who we've heard about his dad going back to lincoln right forever and then like on top of that we have taft's son running against Eisenhower in 52 For in the, the Republican nod. Yeah. These things all just kind of churn around yeah. a lot. Yeah. And it kind of shows you like maybe 
if you're not born in the right family, you don't really have a shot. Mm. I see what you're saying. Which makes somebody like Hoover even a little bit more impressive. Yeah. With the path they took, right? I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I was struck by how little outside of World War II, specifically just D-Day, I knew or didn't know about Eisenhower. Yeah, um, that's fair. And maybe that's a critique of the... I knew nothing about his, the golf side of him. Yeah. Which, as somebody who stinking loves golf, yeah. which doesn't make sense. Like, if, if if you've never seen me in person, like, the, the <laughs> concept that me being a golfer, yeah. it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I didn't know any of that, yeah. especially with Augusta and all that. Like, I remember yeah. texting my brother-in-law, who is one of the guys that helped me get into the sport of golf. Yeah. And I was like, do you know this thing about Eisenhower living in Augusta? And he was like, yeah, they're the Eisenhower tree. Like, duh. That's yeah. a thing everybody knows. There you go. And I was like, not me. He had his first and only hole-in-one in 1968 at 75. Oh, wow. That's right so before he So there's still dies. hope for me. Yeah. That's kind of like now where I tell people I'm at. and They're like, oh, you're good at golf. I'm like, I'm somewhere between... Taft and Eisenhower. <laughs> Somewhere get it. in that get long it. desert of space between yeah. those two guys. I think mine was just more a critique of just, you know, now granted, if you're a social studies or a government teacher in high school, like how much of these guys' in lives upstate New York and impact can you cover? But just thinking, you know, what do you know about Dwight Eisenhower? Well, okay, D-Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, there's so much more that I just... I like did. Ike. Yeah, and yeah. I like Ike. Yeah. Again, power of marketing, right? After he left office, he was 22nd among the presidents at that time, so barely average, like around Arthur and Andrew Johnson, kind of around there. Two decades later, his ranking moved up to 11th, and by 94, he placed 8th. According to C-SPAN's Presidential Historian Survey uh, that we always use, Eisenhower currently sits at number 5, below TR and above his predecessor, Truman. No, that makes sense to me. Because what's changed between now and then? The Republican Party. Patriotism. Mm -hmm. Patriotism has changed. Patriotism has become a thing that we've marketed. And so if you're a patriot, your favorite presidents are the ones that led the army. That makes me question the entire C-SPAN historians. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I mean, if it's it's Mm -hmm. influenced by current whatever patriotism versus at the time then what are they looking at also look at truman though i mean when truman left office he was horribly unpopular truman's number six now Um, i but i i see where you're going with that russ and i uh, but i do think i think even i felt uncomfortable with any of my critiques of him or Mm. like earlier in the episode when i said like he seemed like an opportunist yeah and like i've seen those dudes in the military before Mm -hmm. right like they exist, and it it worked for him. Yeah. I felt uncomfortable saying anything sure. negative about him. Yeah, because yeah. people know I'm an officer in the military, and like, well, you're not going to be able to do but whatever. Yeah. But let's finish this sentence and discuss this. Dwight Eisenhower is the reason the United States of America fill in the blank has a Camp David versus a Shangri La. Okay, man, I wish they would have kept Shangri La. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of cool. Yeah. I think he is the reason we weren't in more wars, oddly enough. Hmm. So there were multiple things that happened that he prevented intervention on. One yeah. was the Chinese intervention in Formosa. Okay. One was Korea, kind of. Yeah. One was Vietnam. Hmm. I think with a different president, specifically Taft, 
who was like his very reactionary. Taft's son was very reactionary. We're in three to four more wars. Hmm. Over those eight years, he's president. He has the experience of having been in war and, you know, my reaction to him notwithstanding, I think he was smart enough to be like, nope, that's not something we need to do. Mm. It's not smart to get involved in that. Would it be safe to say to call all the stuff that he did covertly through the CIA more of a secret war? Was that a war? Well, that's the other side of that. Yeah. 100% is that like there were like, what, three or four different regime changes under his hat that like... Depending on where you want to put Alan Dulles in the decision-making chain, mm-hmm. you could say Eisenhower didn't have a whole lot of like say in it or yeah. whatever. But you could also flip this table on that and say that we avoided a war because we allowed Eisenhower to subvertly change regimes. Hmm. I wouldn't have pictured Eisenhower as the guy who's doing all that covert and maybe this you is can't you, you he you wouldn't be able to be i think the, the nat- guy that does yeah, all of like it. No. seeing seeing the the no, marketing it was dulles was yeah. the one that did yeah, all of the covert one. stuff yeah i had if you've gone on a long road trip on the interstate with a friend you've got dwight eisenhower thing <laughs> i also had that he's the reason why we have 50 stars on the flag mm-hmm. and that we've gone to space but yeah i mean nasa i mean think of how much yeah and if you think that's a good one but if you think about how much Technological advancement has happened since his time. Uh-huh. I mean, NASA was what forty eight. Is that what? Maybe. I have but it's also from. interesting that he helped desegregate a lot of things, but then he allowed all of NASA's like training to be in Alabama. Uh, that's well, fun that we like to have on these episodes. If you're just now listening to uh, <laughs> the season three, uh, go back and listen to all of them. We, we do fun we like to have. Yeah. Desegregation. Yeah. Well, we've talked his life, his legacy. Let's talk some little-known facts okay. about Dwight David Eisenhower. The Eisenhowers moved 28 times while he was in the military, and they never owned Feels a home right. until after he was president. They, so let's pull back the curtain a little bit here. So yeah. like, I work in workforce development here in Indiana. Mm-hmm. I run a small nonprofit to encourage veterans to move to Indiana. One of the things that we like are very open about is that we will strongly market to the spouse Hmm. because your military spouse has moved multiple times throughout that career in the military and they have had no say in it the man or the woman has had no say in where their spouse is going this last move they have a say in yeah the 28 times in a career like i mean hell jenny and i were active duty for six years and we moved twice and in those two moves, I also had two deployments to the Middle East. Like, wow. you are moving a lot. Yeah, constantly. And it is yeah. a, a, like decision when you're having kids. Like, hey, how many high schools do you want to go to? Yeah. Four right. in four years. Right. Yeah. Well, good. Good news. Yeah. You're gonna. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you get it. You grew up family. as a Navy. You yeah. Rhode Island, Southern California, Arkansas, Germany, Pascagoula, Mississippi, Newport, Rhode Island, and Indy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't move half as much as. But I mean, luckily, like your mental health's fine and you don't have any repercussions from it. None whatsoever. Still unpacking. Eisenhower introduced the office of the White House Chief of Staff, an idea that he borrowed from the U.S. Army. I thought that was interesting that any any Chief of Staff was Eisenhower. He was the first president to be affected by. I also like that he was like, this is how the Army did it. This is how we have to do it. Yeah. 
Like he's so okay, <laughs> he's so like ingrained yeah. into yes. the system. He's yes. like, nope, nope. Why nope. don't we have a chief of staff? Nope. He was the first president to be affected by 1958's former Presidents Act, which gave him a lifetime pension, paid staff, and security detail. Mm. Uh, in the spring of 54, the American Public Golf Association, American PGA, yep. uh, installed an outdoor putting green mm-hmm. uh, just steps away from the Oval Office because they knew how much he loved to golf. And then uh, Taft immediately got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Ike ordered his valet to shoot the squirrels who dug up the putting green. They basically were trying to like hide this, you know, their nuts in the yeah. putting green. He was like, if you see a squirrel, shoot it on sight. I, I still say that to yeah. this day yeah. to my kids. Yep. And uh, groundskeepers trapped the squirrels instead and just released them into a nearby park. But he and they came back and (laughs) dug their nuts. Yeah, Yeah. he. There's uh, there's no. There's only one way to get rid of a squirrel, and it's to get rid of it. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, there it is. There it is. He quit smoking actually in a very unique way. He surrounded death. Death. You, you win this round, Russ. Good job, Russ. He surrounded himself with cigarettes and lighters. So And then died. Listen to this. So he, he basically said, quote, I decided to make a game of the whole thing and try to achieve a feeling of superiority when I saw others smoking while I no longer did. I made it a practice to offer a cigarette to anyone who came in, and I lighted each while mentally reminding myself as I sat down, I don't have to do what this poor fellow is doing. Uh, he picked up hitchhikers while he was president in December of '54. They're on he was their driving. No, his detail was well on was his like, yeah on his interstate in helicopter. system yeah, yeah in the helicopter. So he they're was on like, their... get in. <laughs> Blaine is thumping his chest right now. <laughs> no, it was a helicopter. You, oh. I was in a helicopter. <laughs> Tell me that doesn't sound like it. That sounds a lot like it. Yeah, I just heard credence in the background. Yeah. <laughs> They were on their way to Camp David, uh, the Eisenhowers were, where they spotted two Marines looking for a lift. And they were like, hey, pick them up, these two privates. And they got in to the car, I think, behind the Eisenhowers. And they, the presidential motorcade basically took them about 40 miles before they had to, to split. So he did it again in 57 near his farm in Gettysburg, where he gave a airman second class who had his thumb out a trip home. And uh, basically that guy told the story the rest of his life basically that eisenhower rolled down the window and was like need a ride get in in 09 he was named to the world golf hall of fame mm-hmm. in the lifetime achievement category he was a painter it wasn't though until he was 58 years old when winston churchill who was also an avid painter encouraged him to take up painting as a hobby he made 250 paintings at least, and he had a pretty self-deprecating sense about his art. In 1967 in New York, there's an exhibition of his work, and a reporter asks him about the symbolism in one of his works, to which Ike replied, let's get one thing straight. They would have burned this shit a long time ago if I weren't the president of the United States. (laughs) I appreciate that. Well, friends, okay. thank you for listening to episode 34, The General of the Presidential Podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors and patrons. Our next episode on 35th President JFK will be released on Wednesday, May 25th. Don't forget, you can get early ad-free and bonus episodes. We're actually recording one tonight after this episode. When you join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash starting at just five bucks a month. Don't forget to leave a review wherever you're listening to this and connect with us on all of our social media platforms at Presequential. Hey, we'll see you in just two short weeks. Thanks for listening.